0: Gosh, it's changed everything. I've got an endless list of operational changes that we will, without a doubt, continue as we move forward. Welcome to Food on the Table, a podcast that brings you behind the scenes to meet the people who drive the food industry and keep our communities fed. From restaurant owners to food critics, food tech entrepreneurs to hunger relief nonprofits, these are the stories of those who are working hard to put more food on the table for all.
1: How many people begin their career as an attorney and end up creating a cookie empire? Hi there, I'm Andrew Glantz, the founder of Gift-A-Meal, and today I'm bringing you in on a call I had a few weeks ago with my friend Ryan Rich, CEO of Hotbox Cookies. From Missouri to Kansas, their storefronts have been delivering hot, amazing cookies for years. They've also got a robust online business and now can find them in dozens and dozens of grocery stores across the region. What's even cooler is that they've been using their cookies for good since the beginning and have donated literally hundreds of thousands of cookies to support local causes and fundraisers. And when COVID-19 hit, they really stepped things up to a whole new level, throwing their weight into helping everyone from medical workers to hungry families. From an operational perspective, the pandemic changed a lot. And it also helped clarify what mattered most to them as a company determined to do good, and those priorities translated into concrete changes in their business. I asked Ryan on the show to share that and so much more. We'll start with his origin story and I think you're really going to like it. It's not often that you meet someone like Ryan and I'm excited to share his story with you here at Food on the Table.
0: By trade, I'm a non-practicing lawyer. I used to specialize in transactional law and like to think that I still specialize in it, just in a non-practicing form. I started uh, my career with a focus on collegiate level startups slash lower end middle market group that specialized in the food and tech related space as it's related to food. And over the years, as we're sitting here, I have transitioned to become a lot more hands-on from an operator perspective in uh, food tech-heavy businesses. So before it was passive investing, and now it has been for the last, a little bit over a decade now, as an operator. And uh, it's been enjoyable. It's been a, a different transition, but something that I was not able to experience in my past work, which is we get to, in this line of work, I get to along with my team in conjunction with, we get to come up with ideas, we get to put them onto paper, create them, see them evolve, and hopefully see them come to fruition from start to finish. And uh, we get to be the kind of creators and um, manifest our own goals that we want to see. And we weren't able to do that previously in my previous line of work. So. I'm very excited to be where I'm at today and and hopefully to share some of those experiences with you and what I've learned along the way and how the current marketplace has been impacting us with COVID and and non-COVID related stuff.
2: Absolutely. And so then what has it been like for you with Hotbox Cookies during the initial stages of this pandemic and what's it like for you right now?
0: It has been a roller coaster of a ride in the past couple of months, and and where to begin is probably right from the beginning. But you know, when when COVID started sparking up, um, we didn't know what to expect. My team, my operators at the store levels are everybody from top to bottom. Uh, we were nervous from a business end, from a consumer end, from a safety end. We didn't know what to expect. And so we took, much like many businesses that that I am familiar with, uh, we took very drastic and immediate uh, changes within days, Uh, especially within days of us finding out that side effects of COVID and and people were being impacted by COVID within the U.S. uh, We took certain precautions in the early stages, extra sanitization stations within our Uh, stores, um, increased uh, washing hand protocols, sanitizing of surfaces, things like that. But once the stay-at-home orders really came down and um, our business was truly impacted with how the government was responding and local communities was responding, we, like I said, and much like other businesses that we know, we went into panic mode. One, to protect our consumers, two, to protect our employees, but three to keep our lights on. Uh, We have bills to pay and and, uh, responsibilities to our staff from a payroll perspective, um, healthcare and anything else you can think of under the sun. And we tightened up as quick and as possible as we could. We adjusted hours of operation. We increased our fee structure for delivery in order to ensure that we were able to pay the wages of our staff. Uh, We had to cut hours across the board to maintain Uh, an equal level of employment standards for all levels of employees to get, make sure that at least some could get some hours um, instead of being shut out entirely. When we changed our hours, we had to implement serious protocols for sanitization and unlike many businesses that we um, are friends with and and work with in the industry, we continued to operate. We being a delivery business, you know, your dominoes, your emos, the ones that uh, did continue to operate, 70 plus percent of our business is delivery. And I would say probably about 99% of our business now, of course, is online. So we were already positioned to be in that space. Uh, Only one of our stores has tables within the store. Uh, So we don't have a place that you can actually come and sit down. It is a quick service business intended for delivery. But again, at the early stages, and then as the stay-at-home orders came through, we only knew how we could respond. Uh, At that point, we still didn't know how the consumers were going to respond. And um, safety, obviously, being the number one priority, going coinciding uh, side-by-side with our internal number one priority, which was keeping our staff employed. This was before a stimulus package came out. We wanted to make sure that we could keep everybody on payroll. And so we made the decision to can not only continue operating, but to continue paying 100% of wages throughout that time period. We were very thankful when the stimulus package came through because it did relieve a, uh, a, a very big burden on us by trying to financially find the wherewithal to, to weather the storm, even though revenues uh, were down. And what we experienced on the consumer side, which was the last kind of unknown for us, is we saw an immediate almost 100% drop in our business within the first two weeks of the stay at home order. Uh, Most of our business is corporate catering and delivery uh, to corporate catering uh, clients. So the Centines of the world, the Amazons of the world, the Blues, the Cardinals, anybody that would order from us to their place of business was closed. And so we saw uh, close to 100% immediate uh, termination of orders some going a year out they didn't know what to expect so they said hey we want to cancel all of our orders for the next year Um, and that was an immediate blow and luckily um, you know we've got a couple ideas of what what caused it but luckily we saw a turnaround and um, we received a a very big support uh, in all levels from the community Uh, within a couple weeks uh, we had our revenue return and then the stimulus package came so those two kind of running side by side allowed us to then take a step back reorganize our business and that's where we find ourselves right now still getting our bearings but uh in a manageable operational business uh where we're not burning capital on one end uh which were we weren't previously seeing on the revenue side now we're making enough money to keep our lights on and still keep 100% of our staff employed, uh, which at this point is about 100 employees, uh, give or take, uh, five
2: or so. And so what's that response been like from the employees as you've navigated this whole situation?
0: It was an interesting one. Uh, Again, all interesting answers, I, I think, because in unprecedented times, we just didn't know what to expect. We immediately held all company calls, uh, video, uh, Q&As online through our communication channels. We sent out company-wide emails. We sent out physical letters. And then we had also in-house meetings on management pretty routinely. The immediate response was understandable from, I would say, a good portion, a majority of staff. It wasn't until we started making changes that impacted them on the early end, which was cutting back our store hours that we really saw um, an impact to our employees, which we knew was one of the hardest decisions we've ever made. We haven't changed our hours in probably a decade to that degree. So a tough decision. We made it so we could continue to keep the, some of the staff employed, uh, excuse me, all the staff employed, but still allowing them to take some hours at, at a minimum. And that was tough. We got feedback from employees like they just didn't, some didn't understand, you know, why am I losing hours? You know, I'm still here. I'm still willing to work. As we got into more of the COVID um, kind of time period that we're experiencing and people in general were educated more from either us or what was going on in the world, uh, we started to get a much bigger degree of understanding. Uh, Our staff understood that we're doing everything we can, our number one priority Next to safety, as I said, was keeping 100% of staff employed. And so we started to get a lot of understanding from our staff. And that's what led us into kind of where we're at now, which is definitely going to be a long-term program for our business. And that's how we operate from a, a donation and a sales-driven and philanthropic and kind of a, a mission-driven business, which we've always liked to think, uh, we've always liked to thought that we, we played a role in that. But we don't think it was part of our mission to the extent it is now,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and that's something that we will keep moving forward. But it has it has definitely uh, impacted, and I want to say softened the blow of the feedback and the response that we received from both our staff and our consumers um, internally and externally.
2: Got it. And so I've seen that hot box Cookies has done a lot of good for the community already with. Uh, your Pay It Forward campaign to give cookies to St. Louis Metro workers and on your website you show that you've donated 312,000 cookies. Can you elaborate a little bit on how Hotbox has been giving back over the years since now? Sure,
0: sure. Um, So right now, um, you know, we're kind of taking some of our old, um, some of our old practices, we've evolved them uh, from a donation from a philanthropic end and uh, kind of trying to cater to the times that we're in. And, We've always donated product. Uh, It's just something we've never been in a position as a small business, and I'm sure you you understand as a business operator, and many of us do in this world, is um, we haven't always been in a position to donate physical cash, but we've always been in a position to donate product. Uh, Product Mm -hmm. and time and resources is something that we like to think we can always give. And so we've always been able to give product, and we always have. Uh, What happened during COVID is we really shifted because most of our donations went to organizations that were no longer at their place of business or an educational program that wasn't going to be in, you know, in session for another six months or a hospital that is on lockdown. So their, you know, philanthropic organization isn't going to be raising money in the traditional sense that they were. So where we used to donate, uh, we kind of tightened up and we sidestepped. Uh, What we did is we started to look at a couple buckets that we could try and fill that would fill a need for our local community. Um, And that was, you know, one was trying to make sure that, you know, while we do sell a dessert, (laughs) it does still have a substance and we do like to think that it fills a void. So we tried to figure a place where one bucket was, how can we feed people? Can we attach this to a food pantry and just give cookies? Can we give it to other organizations that are out there prepping full meals? Um, Could we donate it just from a cookie stance and try and give it to feed people? A second bucket was uh, to raise money, awareness. Could we be donating product that would help incentivize people to uh, donate for good causes? And the third, was trying to provide and as corny as it sounds um it was trying to provide a sense of joy for the people that are out there and still at an office or still at a group gathering still going to the the quote-unquote front lines as a uh as a worker out there in the workforce so while we kind of looked over all three of those buckets, the first one that we found were partnerships to feed. We uh, had one where we crazy bulls and wraps we saw that they were doing a feed the kids because after school and um, school lunches were no longer in effect so crazy bulls and wraps started uh, promoting meals for students for I think about three to four weeks and this is just one example so we sought them out. Keith, uh, the owner of Crazy Bulls and Wraps, a great guy over there, allowed us to participate with them and try and get our dessert in there. Uh, we then went and found other organizations uh, that were doing very similar things. So that was how we kind of tried to project our mission that we think our staff and consumers could stand behind to feed people in need that were out, out and about in our local community. The second one, um, as I said, was probably our is our biggest focus and what we still are trying to work with is Partnering up with organizations to raise money. I think we've raised close to $160,000 in cash wow. that have gone to organizations throughout St. Louis and the area in conjunction with some other great partners. One of the organizations that we've participated with, I think, two or three times now, is the drive through fundraiser uh, with Sugar Fire and High Point and Chicken Out, uh, which we had a great experience. The first one that we participated in was at Forest Park, where I believe we raised about $12,000 uh, in conjunction with some great partners. And then um, the second one that we participated was at the Foundry, which I believe about thirty-six to 38000 was raised uh, during that event. And uh, we're looking to do some follow-ups, a uh, 2.0, COVID or nine, where we can still try and drive in donation money through the form of donating our product to incentivize people to give back. So that was kind of the second bucket uh, that we filled and the third is obviously the one that we do feel the most passionate about because this of product that we have um, is just simply bringing joy. Uh, We have donated and as you pointed out, we are donating about a thousand cookies a week right now to organizations around St. Louis and our other two markets to anybody on the front line. doesn't matter what they're doing. Uh, last week, as you pointed out in your email, was uh, the Metro organization, which not a lot of people think about it, but uh, the Metro's still running and they've got thousands of employees that are still out there, whether that's on the left end of the spectrum from the maintenance people, cleaning crews, drivers, uh, logistics, it doesn't matter. They've got tons of people out there still working, all the way to a partnership with Caldys and Schnooks a couple months ago, where we donated the same thing to the frontline employees at several of their facilities around St. Louis. Um, and we've been trying to do that. Uh, we're doing it three times a week, roughly around 1,000 to 1,500 cookies in a given week. And we've been doing that every week since the first stay-at-home order started impacting us. That's incredible. The good news is we're able to give a lot of cookies. Um, but the even better news is that, like I said, it is a mission that, um, we didn't really realize the impact that our staff would get behind it on because it's more work. Somebody's got to bake the cookies. You know, we're not taking in any money for it. So there's no, you know, the reality is there's no revenue being driven from it. There's no tips. It's simply just gratitude in any way that anybody can give. And our staff has stood behind it hundred percent. And so I applaud them and and really the team in trying to to promote the mission because it does take a lot of work to get it out, but they see the good in it and um we think that it is doing more good than than anything else. So we've been pretty excited with how we've been able to get back and hope that um people are experiencing being able to have a positive impact from it.
2: Yeah, that's awesome how you've been really able to create this mission and build it into hot box brands and get the staff behind it and uh, kudos to you for this awesome impact you're making for the front line and everybody else in the community during this time. And you mentioned Schnucks for instance. So I saw that you guys posted on Facebook that Hotbox Cookies is coming soon to Schnucks Supermarkets. Can you tell me more about that? So will people be able to buy cookies at Schnucks?
0: Sure. Yeah. And I'll kind of tie in one of your earlier questions, because I think you've hit on a key component. Back to the COVID before I answer the, the Schnucks question, it was, yep. you know, we had so many This 2020 was the year of our expansion. Um, We had five stores prepped for opening, planting seeds. Um, We have a nationwide shipping program that is still scheduled going live in about two weeks. We had a retail program like you're referring to with Schnucks and we have a franchising program. All different uh, legs of our business that was already in full growth mode. Um, We've spent uh, about a year prepping for this 2020 year. And when COVID hits, you know, as I said earlier, we had to really sit down and rethink our strategy. You know, can we still open new stores? Can we still go onto the shelves or a retail product line? Can we still do our nationwide shipping? And I'll dive into it deeper in a moment, but we decided, yes, let's push forward with it all. We obviously made some changes, some immediate changes to allow us to still proceed forward. But one of those was The retail program. We have been working on putting our product on retail shelves of several grocers for quite a while. It's a long process because of the the nature of our business with FDA and manufacturing and all that jazz. And then Schnooks, to our surprise, reached out to us about a program that they were getting going and they beat us to the punch. So we, uh, of course we were thrilled to work with them. They've got a great team over there from both a marketing perspective and operations perspective. They really do a lot of good in the community. And if we can be a part of that, uh, we we wanted to jump on it as quick as possible. So they reached out to us, um, I don't know, about a month and a half ago. Uh, gave us some details on a local initiative that they were doing to get some local brands, drive some revenue in, uh, support some local businesses like ours. Uh, and we felt it was a very passionate initiative, so we said yes. took a couple of weeks to get it in motion. Uh, it's a little bit different than what we're expecting to see long term for our retail program, which is still scheduled to go live at quite a few brick and mortars across the country in June. But um, we were able to secure, I think, I think we're in about 60 uh, locations now of Schnucks. We went live last Monday. Uh, we've seen some great report from it from consumers. Again, the, the, the local community has really stood behind uh, the local purchasing and, and the brands, and we've seen some great feedback. So we've been really excited about getting that on shelves because it was a little bit before our timetable, but the feedback is feedback, and it's all been positive. So we're we're excited to really keep the momentum going with that product and uh, see how the data tells us about other local-driven brick-and-mortar uh, outlets just like Schnucks that may be interested in doing something just like it. So we, instead of just focusing on what we were, which was pushing out a retail product to some retailers that we wanted to be in, uh, we're taking a cue from what Schnucks started, and hopefully they continue it in some capacity post-COVID, And that's to put a local kind of touch on the outlets that we want to work with and figure out if that can add some more momentum, a larger reach. We don't yet know, Uh, but as data comes in, we'll really get an idea of what the impact is on the local community and and how we can continue that as we continue to push our retail program out.
2: And speaking of post COVID, is there anything that you experimented with and learned during this crisis that you're going to be taking forward? And has this changed any plans that you had or? had any big surprises of things? You're like, oh, there's the potential for new opportunities here. Where where do you see the future of things going to pop off?
0: Gosh, it's changed everything. We've got, I've got an endless list of operational changes that we will without a doubt continue as we move forward. From our brick and mortars, simple things that didn't seem so simple uh, long ago, like the extra sanitization uh, protocols that we talked about, early on uh, those will without a doubt stay intact i think just everyone wants to see those both consumer and employees alike Uh, we stopped accepting cash as a as a sanitization protocol i would prefer to never go back to accepting cash it is cleaner it's more efficient our employees love it Uh, we do get a complaint every now and then which is surprising but um, overall i mean money is dirty And uh, not having it in our stores, if it's just about cleanliness and sanitization uh, protocols, it does wonders for keeping the place cleaner. Um, And then there's efficiency things, you know, deposits, cash, uh, handling, all that jazz. Um, So operationally, we've changed a lot of stuff at the store level. Um, But outside of that, I think just, you know, kind of looking in hindsight at the conversation we've had just right now these are things that we don't intend to be temporary. So whether it's the sanitization protocols and the operational changes in the brick and mortars, or the mission-driven protocols that we've instilled uh, and intend to continue, we've molded and are continuing to shape our business to to kind of be behind these initiatives um, instead of letting those initiatives kind of previously shape our um, our want. I don't know if that makes sense, but Previously, those have been afterthoughts for us. Uh, like I said, we've always donated products, We've always had initiatives to give back. We believe strongly, and I've always said this, uh, we spend over 90% locally of our expense money. So we take in 100% of local earned dollars and we will put as much as we possibly can into spending locally with vendors and distributors. It doesn't matter what the cost is to some extent unless we can't obtain it locally, of course. And that's stuff we've always done. But those things have been secondary afterthoughts to us operating our business where we've maintained, hey, we're running a business. Let's take, you know, X revenue and X profit margins and let's do Y, right? Instead of saying on the front end, let's run with this initiative and then let's figure out what revenues we bring in, what kind of consumer base is interested in it, then we decide from there, does it still go back to that initiative? Does it go to another initiative? But really the goal on the front end is now the initiative. And it's not necessarily, it's, take this with a grain of salt is what it is. But you know, we're simultaneously running a business and trying to make sure that, our, that it's a mission driven business instead of about selling cookies uh, all the time. And we are seeing a good impact, a good side effect, and, um, and good feedback from our staff. Um, And consumers. But as far as our plans, it slowed down our plans from a growth perspective. It did not stop them. Uh, We have put out about four LOIs for new properties in the past uh, 90 days. So we are still pushing full steam ahead with new brick and mortars. The other three projects that we mentioned are national shipping program, and our retail program and our franchising are all still now back on schedule. They were not uh, when COVID started, but uh, they are back on schedule and we expect to still continue with them in full force. But um, each of them now does have a a very strong component of the initiatives that we've talked about today. And that's even our budgetary plans uh, for our store operators, for franchising. Uh, We've earmarked initiatives within our franchising documents now that are part of a global corporate initiative for giving back where franchisees have to participate in these initiatives if they want to be a franchisee Um, and that that's the kind of hard line we're drawing in the sand to make sure that these practices stay uh, with our brand in the long term so yeah we still are moving forward with our 2020 plans but uh, definitely trying to learn as we still continue to navigate, I, I think that there's a lot of changes that we're not in tune yet, and still a lot of question marks from an industry, from an operator stance, from a marketplace stance. Consumers, I mean, Gift-a-Meal knows this better than anybody, but consumer purchasing is different now. Uh, and I suspect consumer purchasing habits are gonna maintain to be different. We may see a, a, a degree or level of change from how people order, when they order, time frame. Uh, sit down, curbside pickup, delivery, and uh, we especially won't know what the outcome looks like until the government has settled. In my opinion, of course, until the government has settled on its changes, right? The stay-at-home orders, the stimulus packages, the um, requirements for sanitization, as they continue to navigate the the uh, terrain and they lay down what they want to see, everybody else is going to react accordingly. And that, of course, is going to have uh, far-reaching impacts that are in every industry, and uh, we're along for the ride, just like everybody else. So we just hope we can continue to make the right choices, proactively in a safe manner, um, in the best interest of both our consumers and our the consumers and our employees, and, and kind of navigate accordingly, just like everybody else. So.
2: It sounds like you're on top of it and super impressive how you're balancing all of the different growth elements of the business to keep everything going during this crisis, not just keep it going, but continue its scaling pathway and also to be incorporating good and purpose into the business. And so, uh, really, really awesome to see. You. And just to wrap up, I guess, how can listeners support Hotbox Cookies? You can go to, you can order on hotboxcookies.com. Should they be looking to still do corporate gift cards and things like that, get you at Snooks? How can they support?
0: Sure. And, and I appreciate the question. Um, I would really run with, you know, obviously every dollar spent with us is, is, uh, an act of support towards our business, but I'd really want run with what we talked about here today. You know, we didn't just put the amount of cookies we're donating annually on the website so we could advertise it. It's because, we're able to donate the cookies. We're able to do these initiatives. We're able to get back and participate in these programs because of the consumers. The people that are spending money with us are the ones supporting us, supporting our staff, allowing us to keep them employed and likewise allowing us to continue supporting the local community. So the cycle that our consumers are, are supporting and uh, continuing to support and, and their hard-earned dollars going back to us and us trying to turn them out back to the community, In that cycle is all we can ask for but every dollar that goes to support us uh, we do try and uh, make sure it supports our community so the only thing I think we can ask is you know spend locally Uh, whether that's with us or with another local business you know I would encourage anybody that that listens to this is to continue spending with your local businesses supporting them Uh, make sure you stay safe during the time, but um, definitely it it all is a help. No matter how small of a purchase, it really does help. And if it's not a purchase, I will say something that I think hopefully sticks. Even just word of mouth advertisement or helping with social media. uh, I think that supporting the local businesses like Hotbox Cookies and any of our industry uh, friends uh, through any other advertising mode, whether you spend money with them or not, does indirectly support us all. So uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I would say, you know, spend local is what is what I would encourage, whether that's with us or with anybody
2: else. Uh, it certainly will go far. Absolutely. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for taking the time. It's been super interesting to chat with you and wishing you the best of support.
0: Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate the time as well, Ben.
1: Great, I hope you all enjoyed the conversation with Ryan as much as I did. A huge, huge thanks to him for making the time to share his story with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe because we have some great interviews coming up next for you. Next time, we'll be joined by John Matthews, co-founder of the legendary Pappy's Smokehouse, known far and wide for putting St. Louis barbecue on the map.